When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts, and here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope you're wearing maroon today. I'm proud to be a bulldog, win, lose, draw, whatever. It's who we are. It's what we do. Uh, hoping for a big win this weekend as Mississippi State takes on Western Michigan. We're going to preview the Broncos on today's show, kind of let you know what to expect. Uh, got a couple pretty impressive players, man. They do. We'll also uh, get into uh, some recent discussion about Zach Arnett's contract. We'll preview the SEC. Uh, be a typical Friday show. Be a good one. Hope that you guys are making plans today to make your way to Starkville, Mississippi, to support the Bulldogs tomorrow uh, in an 11 a.m. kick. Tickets remain available through the Mississippi State Ticket Office. Your Bulldogs favored by 20 and a half points as it stands today. Hopefully we can cover that. You know, a lot of people are saying, Steve, I just want to win the game. I don't think just winning the game is going to make anybody feel better. I think we got to go out there and show that we know what we're doing. we got to look like we have an idea of what's happening. We've got to find some rhythm on offense. And um, there will be a few guys that will be out of the ball game. Uh, kind of precaution, you know, precaution. You know, we've got open date next week. Got a couple guys, give them a couple weeks to heal up. As we get ready for the second half of the season, you know, we open up. Uh, the next two ball games on the road at Arkansas, at Auburn. So, again, this Saturday, your last opportunity to see the Bulldogs in Davis Wade Stadium uh, until November. Uh, so, come be a part of that if you can. There are a lot of tickets out there in the third party market, uh, very inexpensive. So, if, you've, uh, if you're, you know, mom and dad thinking, hey, we're not season ticket holders, can't really afford to make that big investment at this point in our lives, that's cool. But you can uh, come see the Bulldogs play very inexpensively this Saturday. And uh, probably get back home uh, for dinner. Yeah, so come be a part of it as always. Uh, Bulldogs at Davis Wade Stadium. Uh, not sure what to expect from an atmosphere standpoint. There are a lot of people right now that are kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, maybe down on the Bulldogs. But a um, lot to talk about on today's show. And uh, we're, we're going to shoot you straight. You know, I'm from South Mississippi. We got nothing to hide down there. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll share with you my thoughts on, on the, the matchup and, of course, uh, a lot to talk about. You know, there's a few things that I want to say about this uh, recent discussion about Zach Arnett's contract. I, because of the fact some other people uh, you know, kind of took issue with that, I, I had to get on the phone, call some people. That's one of the things that's kind of irritating at times. It's like you, you have to bug people that you built relationships with really over kind of a non-issue. So uh, we'll discuss that. I'll give you my thoughts on it. The pure, unadulterated truth as I see it. And speaking of truth, not a better place to go break bread than Bulldog Burger Company. Love Bulldog Burger Company. Man, I, I tell you what, I love them before they love me. It's one of those things, too. It's like as soon as they opened, I couldn't wait to go try it. And so I had the Bulldog Burger. I was like, I don't know what else is on this menu, but I know this is a good straight-ahead rock-and-roll American hamburger. And it was fabulous. And then I began to kind of venture out a little bit and uh, take some chances in life. You know, of course... Uh, I make them more dietary nowadays than any other thing. But uh, I've had everything on the menu. 
And uh, every time that I go and they add something new, I have to go try it because I want to know. I want to be able to speak intelligently to all of you about it. You know, I'm a big fan of that Mississippi barbecue burger. I love those sloppy Joe sliders. And what a delicacy that was as a kid. Uh, Dan and I have had uh, sloppy Joes a couple times since she's been home, man. I, I, you know, I, my, my kids were kind of uh, noncommittal about the sloppy Joe thing. I know when I was a kid, that was a delicacy, man. It was a treat to get sloppy Joes. And so I get them from time to time on those nice Hawaiian buns there at uh, Bulldog Burger Company. Get the spring rolls when you go in there. Everywhere I go, people, last night I was at uh, an event. Somebody said, hey, there's no spring rolls here. I said, yeah, I know. I'll have to make that up later. You know, it's part of my personal care routine. I mean, every, everybody else makes those claims, right? You know, it's part of the beautification of America. The spring rolls, having them make you and everybody around you better looking. Get that chocolate shake to go. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, you want to be one of the cool kids. The cool kids convene at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's get familiar with Western Michigan. I spend a lot of time throughout the week. Uh, you know, because we've got an army of people over at jeanspage.com, and it enables me to kind of branch out a little bit. And so you'll notice, you know, throughout the week, you know, I do the, the posing coach transcription of his press conference. I do players and things like that. And so it gives me a chance to kind of get to know our opponents a little bit more. And Robbie Falk, of course, uh, did the uh, Know the Foe column last night. That's a free uh, feature at Jeans Page. You can go by and uh, check it out right now. Kind of gets you up to speed. But uh, this is based on my own research. Robbie does a great job with that. So uh, be sure and go read that. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you take your, uh, your throng time, perhaps, right? But the uh, Broncos are 2-3 and three on the year. They opened the year with a 35-17 win at Waldo Stadium, which is their home venue, against St. Francis University. I don't know much about St. Francis football. Maybe you do. But uh, I'm sure, like all of us, you know, we play teams like Western Michigan is what we used to term a rent-a-win. I'm sure that's really the case here. Uh, week two, they played Syracuse University. And you may not know this, but Zach Arnett's mentor, former college coach, and uh, his head coach as an, uh, an assistant coach, Rocky Long, coordinates the defense there at Syracuse. And so you got to think Arnett's been on the phone a lot with Rocky this week, just kind of learning out, you know, hey, what what do they do well? What what worked for you? Uh, so I think the Bulldogs will have a good game plan defensively. I mean, you ought to be able to just kind of out-athlete a team like Western Michigan. And I, I mean that with as much respect as I possibly can. There are a lot of people that go play at certain levels because that's the only level they could rise to. So you got to think, if you have SEC caliber athletes, you ought to be able to handle this. But, uh, but Syracuse, 48-7 winners. Uh, in that ball game. The next week, uh, they hit the road to Iowa City, Iowa. And that's a 41 to 10 ball game. You know, how good is Iowa this year? I don't know if we really know yet. But uh, Western Michigan took a 7 nothing lead in that ball game. And then Iowa kind of took over there in the second quarter. And in the second half, it was all Hawkeyes. So don't be surprised <laughs> if Western Michigan comes out and schemes you up and gets downfield, makes some things happen. Yeah, it's all that's kind of interesting to me, right? It's like eventually it doesn't matter how much you want it. It really doesn't. If you're not good enough, it doesn't matter. And looking back at this Syracuse game, they also had a uh, seven a seven nothing lead against Syracuse. So then then they give up 48 unanswered. I'm not going to sit here and romanticize 
Western Michigan football, Mississippi State should be able to win this game and should be able to win it handily, and, and Vegas certainly agrees. All right, the, the losing streak reached three games as Western Michigan got into the MAC opener. They took on Toledo. They lose that game 49-31. to You know, defensively, this team is uh, outside of St. Francis. Uh, has not really stopped many players, you know. Uh, also, too, looking ahead to this Toledo game, just kind of looking back at it, Western Michigan, a 7-0 lead. So opening drives have been really good for them. It's one of those things you've got to be mindful of because that's what's going to happen. They'll go down and score, and our people will freak out. Same thing in the St. Francis game, 7-0. Maybe we found something here. What if we've stumbled upon something? And uh, no, no. But four of their five games, they have scored on their oh, – excuse me, I guess that's not technically true. I guess they've scored on all five opening drives. I think that's correct. They've scored first four or five games, and they have uh, held a lead in the first quarter against every team they played. So don't panic if you see that happen with us. Of course, uh, again, last weekend they bounced back with the big 42-24 win at home uh, against Ball State. Now, Western Michigan was picked sixth in the MAC West. There's only six teams in the MAC West. Maybe you didn't know that. But they're picked last. And so I can sit here and talk about this team and say, hey, you know what, hey, we got to be careful. And we do. You can never take anybody for granted. Uh, these guys are 0-3 away from their own ballpark. You know, a couple games there, 2-0 Waldo Stadium. It's a much different dynamic when you go on the road. But in addition to that, too, it all boils down to talent in many respects when it comes to these games. It's not like these two teams from a roster standpoint are similarly situated. Uh, so I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up your skirt and tell you that, uh, you know, Western Michigan some great game and this will be a great uh, win for us. It's the next game, so it's the most important game. It's a game we need to win. Simple as that. we got to even the record up at 3-3. Three and three. A lot of people now are, like, counting games thinking, how can we get Bo eligible? What can we do to get Bo eligible? Uh, I, I think it's not going to be maybe as close as some people suggest. Of course, I expect us to have a better year than we've had. Uh, but, yeah, I really thought we'd be 3-2 and two after the month of September and then going into October uh, needing to win some games, but uh, certainly some winnable games. I still believe those games are winnable. And I know there's a couple of games coming on the road, but uh, when you look at what Arkansas has been, uh, you know, defensively, and then you look at what they've been uh, at Auburn's been offensively, you know, these are toss-up games. It's not like you look at it and say, hey, State should win that or State's favored. Uh, the reality of it is is that we have, uh, you know, some winnable games here that we're going to have to go play well to win. Certainly. And we're going to preview uh, the SEC later in the weekend, uh, later in the show, pardon me. All right, look at the numbers here. Again, two and three overall, one and one in the MAC. Western Michigan averaging 25 points a game, allowing just under 36 points a game. First downs, many of them pretty balanced. You know, 49 on the ground, 40 through the air. That's a pretty typical ratio, 14 by way of penalty. Uh, they have gained 1,028 yards and then had several losses and uh their leading running back has only had one negative play we'll get that a little bit later but a net of 922 yards on the ground they're allowing 775 passing has been a bit of an issue for their defense as well so they have played four different quarterbacks two mainly and we're going to break those down but uh as a group 90 of 156 with four interceptions for a total of 1,004 yards and just five touchdowns, and uh, four of them coming from one player. 
Uh, opponents are 89 of 146 also with four interceptions. And uh, interestingly enough, Western Michigan has uh, four seven turnovers and turned it over seven times. So the net change there is zero when it comes to turnover margin. Uh, but they're allowing 250 yards per game through the air. I suspect we'll do a little bit better than that. We'll see. Uh, total offense, uh, total yards for them, 1,926. They've allowed 2025. You know, so they've been able to kind of get up and down the field some, even when they haven't been able to get in the end zone. Kickoff average returns, excuse me, they're averaging 17.25 per return. They're allowing 22.38. I mentioned this in an article earlier this week. It's better than 50, 50, 50% of the time their uh, kickoffs don't make the end zone. Just 10 touchbacks on the year and, and 25 attempts. So you, you're going to have a chance to bring one back. I'm not saying that I'm calling for that, but don't be surprised if you see it. My punt return average, they're 5.33 for them. They're allowing at 9.92. Xavier Thomas will probably um, probably do a good job extending extending that yards per return average. I think Xavier's going to have a big ball game. I do. I think this works well for us. I think we're going to force a lot of punts. All right, uh, they're averaging 37.41 yards per punt and opponents 42.7. Uh, the punt net average is 32.26. And uh, two of three in field goal attempts. Just not really doing a good job finishing drives. Uh, penalties, giving up, you know, 64 yards in penalty yardage per game. They've committed 35 penalties uh, on the season for 323 yards. Time possession has been pretty much even for them. Third down conversions, they're 30 of 75. Fourth down, five of 13. They fumbled the football eight times. They've recovered it. Three times. So they're willing to put the ball on the ground for you a little bit. You've got to be able to get after it, though. Uh, they've also allowed 15 sacks on the year. Uh, perfect on PATs. And then uh, red zone attempts, they score 13 out of 17 times. Now, opponents, however, 20 of 22. Yeah, red zone defense, not a strong point for the Broncos by any stretch of the imagination. Let's begin to look at this individual stuff here. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Uh, the reigning Mac Offensive Player of the Week is Trayson Borget. I guess if he's from Louisiana, it'd be Bourget, but uh, I suspect it's Borget. But uh, Trayson has kind of wrestled this job away from uh, Jack Salapak. Jack was the primary guy the first two ball games, but it's been more Bourget in um, the last couple ball games. And, of course, uh, the big win over Ball State last week, uh, really good game for him. Yeah, I hate to sound negative, but uh, I think you're going to see some incompletions this week from the opposing offense. Uh, Trayson, right at 55% completion percentage. He's 51 of 93 on the year with a pick, but 54.84%. Now, uh, Salapak is almost 68%. But again, the offense hasn't really responded to him. They've checked it down a lot with him. He's only averaging about 56 uh, yards per game, but they have played both quarterbacks in every game. Hayden Wolf has played a little bit as a reserve, and um, you know it's kind of part of the deal. You know, I'm just trying to get some guys some experience. But uh, you know, obviously Trayson had the uh, you know a good enough game last week against Ball State. Uh, 24 of 39 for 328 yards. He ran 10 times for just 18 yards. So I'm sure they're looking at this Bulldog secondary and thinking, you know what? 
we got a shot here. I- ironically, uh, Trayson Borgetts from uh, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, probably grew up an Arizona Wildcat fan. Maybe he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder since we swept that series. Uh, reminds you guys, too, that's the first Power 5 series that we've won both ends of. Yeah. All right, Jaglin Buckley is kind of the straw that stirs the drink. He's one of the top grossing running backs in the country. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, now you know. Yeah, one of the first plays of the year, 75 yards to the house. But Jalen Buckley, 94 attempts for 557 yards. Guys, he has one negative rush this year. Probably a guy that will be in the portal. You got to think. Right? I mean, you think, well, you know, he's doing well at Western Michigan. There's probably some teams out there that said, you know what? We got to go get this kid. That, that's the risk you run, man. You know, you develop some, uh, some good players. Next thing you know, you're in trouble. But looking at his numbers here, uh, ran for 194 yards against St. Francis, nearly got to 200 against Toledo with 196. Of course, against Iowa, just 30 yards on 14 carries. Last week against Ball State, uh, 50 yards rushing. And they were determined to, to stop them on the ground, and so uh, Western Michigan decided to go to the pass and uh, got Buckley involved in the passing game, too, three receptions for 11 yards. But um, he's had two really big games that kind of pop up the, uh, you know, the stats a little bit, and in both of those games he carried it 29 and 30 times respectively. So that you can do that when you're winning. You know, when you get behind in ball games, all of a sudden all that goes out the window. Uh, but, yeah, he's a dude. He's from Aurora, Illinois. That's the home of Wayne's World, the cable access show that uh, made us all so happy years ago. Became a bit on Saturday Night Live and then um, a couple movies. It should be a Wayne's World 3. Uh, but, yeah, they, they kind of do it by committee. But uh, Buckley is the big gun there. They've got 220 carries collectively as a team, and he's got uh, 94 of them. You know, so he is the guy they're going to give it to, probably the guy that will hold the football first, I would suspect. All right, Anthony Sambucci, I mentioned they've had five touchdowns this year, four by the same player. It's, it's Sambucci's the guy that's doing it. He's played just in four games. He's got 11 catches, four of them for scores. One of them is 64-yarder. And this is a guy, again, you, you look at the numbers here, it's just he doesn't move around a whole lot. You know, he's just a guy that's out there, you know, very opportunistic. He had five catches last week against uh, Ball State, and three of those were touchdowns. And, um, you know, that's rather interesting. Didn't play in the opener for some reason or another, but uh, his biggest game of the year came last week. So, and it appears he's trending in the right direction. Just had the one catch against Iowa. Uh, That was a touchdown, too, where they got loose there. But, uh, you know, that's a number to watch as we get into this thing. Number five, Anthony Sambucci. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think they're going to have trouble getting separation against us. And I know what you're saying, but, Steve, everybody does. These are not SEC caliber athletes. They're not. Uh, they've had 13 transfers that have come in. Most of the guys have been on the offensive line. I say maybe maybe not most, but several of those have been on the offensive line. Uh, but this is an offense in many respects. It's rather pedestrian in their numbers. And, again, you start working through this. Completion percentage for the starting quarterback is not great. You don't have a lot of explosive wide receivers you do have a very productive running back. So, the, you know, the job one is going to be stopping the run. And that's going to be a huge part of every bit of this, stopping the run. Uh, looking at the game-by-game game comparison here, uh, real quickly here, look at the rushing yards. You know, against St. Francis, they ran for 339 yards. 
again, everybody needs to rent a win somewhere. They allowed just 51. Against Syracuse, they ran 26 times for less than 100 yards. And it's so crazy, looking back at that St. Francis box score, they ran it 67 times. They run 99 plays in a ball game, 67 of them are runs. Uh, but again, against Syracuse, 26 rushes for 97 yards. Iowa, they ran it 36 times for a buck 17. Uh, really had some success against Toledo, even in the loss there, but 55 carries for 236 yards. Last week against Ball State, 36 carries for a buck 33. So the attempt was there, but the production wasn't exactly what it was the week before. But this is a team that wants to run football. There's no question about it. Um, you know, looking here at their, um, you know, the passing numbers, it's a much different deal, right? It's a much different deal. They threw for 170 against St. Francis, 221 against Syracuse, 122 against Iowa, and then 163 against Toledo. The outlier, of course, is what happened last week against Ball State, 328 yards. So you start looking at it and begin to tell yourself, is this a situation where they found their quarterback and he is maturing before their eyes? Or is that strictly an outlier? Is it just, hey, this guy had a good game on, on a big day here uh, in front of the home environment? You know, we'll see how that progresses. But, uh, you know, we've got to come out here ready to play. There's no question about that. We absolutely have to come out here ready to play. But it's not one of these situations where, you know, State shouldn't be stressed in this ballgame. But, again, don't be, don't be the least bit disappointed. I guess maybe that's the wrong term to use. But don't be surprised if uh, you look up and – they have an early lead. It's pretty clear they script some things out and uh, put themselves in a situation to go uh, put some points on the board early in the ballgame. Okay, leading defensive player for them is a former Michigan State walk-on, Tate Halleck. Uh, he leads them in several defensive categories, including tackles with 38. Also has three pass breakups and a couple of picks. And this is a guy, again, that you know, walked on at Michigan State, who's so got some, some experience within a Power 5 program. So, hey, good for him to find a scholarship opportunity and, and put some things together. But uh, he wears number three. Uh, guy that's been very opportunistic. So this isn't just some typical kid, you know, grew up in, in Michigan and didn't have a chance to play football at the highest level. Even though he wasn't a scholarship guy at Michigan State, he still got the experience of working with that program there for a couple of years. Uh, Damari Roberson. Uh, 34 tackles for him. Uh, Where's number four? He's also very active out in pass defense, uh, as he should be. But he's a big linebacker, number four. Uh, a guy they're expecting a lot of things from, from Muskegon, Michigan. Aaron Wofford. Redshirt sophomore from Chicago, Illinois. Cornerback, 5'11", 170 pounds. And you think with, uh, with our length outside, we ought to be able to exploit some of that. You know, we'll see. But, you know, defensively, you look at this group uh, from a sack standpoint, again, 15 for them. They've only allowed 11 sacks. But uh, 15 total sacks for them uh, as a team. You know, we'll see how things, you know, go when we get out there. But, uh, again, you know, we could talk about this ball game all day. And I don't think it's going to be a good ball game. I think it'll be a good game to watch for Mississippi State fans. But, uh, you know, my concern is maybe we don't win by enough. You know what I mean? We've got to do some things uh, to inspire some confidence. We've got to get our legs under us as a team. We need to win this game really going away. This, this shouldn't be one of those games in the fourth quarter we get a backdoor cover or something like that. We need to go out there and really have this game in hand uh, well before the fourth quarter. You'd like to have it at half, but um, sometimes that's not you know, practical. 
But you got to think the difference in the strength and conditioning programs begins to take over deeper in this ballgame. And that's really been the story uh, against Power 5 competition for Western Michigan this year. So uh, we should be able to do the same thing. Uh, I don't know how much you play Woody Marks, to be honest with you. You know, Woody got a little bit banged up late in the ballgame last weekend. They pulled him, didn't put him back out there. The game was over. There was no point. Uh, Jeffrey Pittman, of course, did some good things, as did Seth Davis. Uh, you know, we'll put Lee out there a little bit too. I'll be honest with you. Once once you begin to get separation in this game, I would I would rest Woody. And I know these guys want to play, but um, we just need to win the game and then get ready to go into the heart of SEC play. But I won't be surprised if Pittman is your leading ball carrier tomorrow. Uh, or maybe it's Davis. But I think you really work down the depth chart here, provided the game gives you the separation you hope for, and you're able to get some guys out of there and uh, begin to rest up and prepare for next week. It's a big part of this. Justin Robinson did practice this week. Uh, whether he goes or not, I know he wants to play, absolutely wants to play. He did practice. I understand he was in non-contact uh, jersey earlier in the week. Uh, so he's rounding back into shape uh, for sure. But uh, if you got guys that are questionable, I wouldn't play them, you know. And we'll see how things, you know, look when we get there. We'll have a report up. Uh, once we get out, it's one of the first things we do is we start watching walk, uh, warm-ups to see who's there and who's not. And sometimes you get fooled by that. You know, sometimes guys need some additional treatment or taping or whatever, and so they're a little late coming out for initial warm-ups and they come back out when everybody's padded up. But uh, we do our best to kind of monitor that. And, of course, we'll continue to work our sources, of course, to kind of find out who's played and who's not. Now, you know, Trevion Williams is out for the year. Uh, Calvin Dinkins won't play this year – this week, excuse me. We do expect him back. Uh, DeMonte Russell didn't play last week. He's listed on the two deep. Don't be surprised if he doesn't play. And if he does play, he doesn't play a lot. Uh, I think that's a guy, too, that they'll be awfully careful with this week. Um, you know, we'd like to get some guys back, as Dave Turner says. You know, he's never had a year quite like this one, uh, dealing with the injuries we've had up front. But uh, DT is a veteran coach. He'll figure some things out. He'll get guys ready to play. And you look at Don Terry Russell – uh, a guy that made his Bulldog debut for this season and uh, had a big ball game. Now he's just starting Sam, Sam Linebacker. You know, so uh, I think we're going to be in good shape here. But it's one of these things, too. It's just, you know, hey, you want to go take care of business and get out of here healthy. But you don't want it to be a 20-17 ball game. You, know, you, you think people are upset now. You know, you, you go win ugly in a game like this is against a team where you should be considerably more talented. Uh, people will jump off. There's a lot of people already on the edge right now. And there are many people that already said, you know what, I'm done with all of this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's get ready for something else. Let's get ready for basketball. Then all of a sudden you find out uh, this week we're going to be without two key players throughout the non-conference schedule, including Tolu Smith. And, man, this poor kid. This poor, poor kid. Tolu Smith has represented Mississippi State with class and dignity, and it seems like he just simply can't take a break. And uh, came back this year hoping to uh, – it's a really challenge for some big things and also boost his uh, professional stock, and now he's going to miss the benefit of the non-conference games. Uh, so then all of a sudden you got to get him in game shape and, again, SEC play. It's just one of those things. I, I guess it was Robbie yesterday tweeted out, it's like Mississippi State sports is cursed right now. Um, yeah, maybe we are, you know. And, and as I've said many times, I was talking to Bo Bounds yesterday, I don't know which one of you, and maybe this is something we need to talk about as a family here, you know, when you go down to Bourbon Street and you go in, a, in French Quarter, you know, obviously that's where Bourbon Street is, there is the voodoo shop there. 
There is. And you've all been in there. Don't sit here and act like, don't be so holier than thou. And say, oh, well, I never been. Yes, you have. You've been in there. And there is a statue in there, and it says, don't touch the statue. Or it'll bring you bad luck. And it says it. You're notified. It's do not touch the statue. One of you touched it. One of, one of you did. And we may have to sacrifice you for the betterment of Mississippi State sports. We, begin, we have to figure this thing out. You know, maybe we throw you, you know, like we, you know, throw you off the boat like they did Jonah. Maybe if you've cursed us, maybe you deserve to live in the belly of the whale. I don't know. But I'm smart enough to know that one of you touched that statue. And maybe you're wearing, you know, a national championship shirt. Maybe you're wearing that M over S hat. Maybe you had on a maroon is all that matters shirt. And you touched the statue. And now we're all paying for it. So um, if need be, we're going to have an exorcism and perhaps an inquisition, and we're going to get to the bottom of this thing because we need to change our luck. We change the mojo. And so hopefully we, again, get through tomorrow healthy, win the ball game with some style points, and then uh, next week we'll see how things look. But uh, one, one of you owes us all an apology. I've been in that voodoo shop, and I didn't touch the statue. Because I value our existence, right? You say, Steve, I don't believe in those things. It doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. One of you touched that statue. And I want to know who it is. I want to know. I want to know. we got to figure it out. Uh, but, yeah, State should win this game handily. And if we don't, we got some problems. And, listen, we already have identified some issues that we have. But if we struggle to put these guys away, uh, I, I can't promise you what the rest of the season is going to look like. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. And you say, well, Steve, it's just one game. It's not. It's just we've had these issues that have kind of mounted over the course of the last few weeks. we got to show that we're getting those things corrected. And part of that, too, is getting healthy. Uh, but we should be able to go out there and put up some big points against these guys and have some separation and be able to play some younger guys, get them some experience, and also save some wear and tear on the regulars. That's what I expect to happen. I think that's the case for most of you as well. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional with 22 years of experience. If you need to get things done, you need to enlist the services of Blair Chandler. Well, how do you, Steve, that's great. How do I get a hold of him? Well, it's easy. 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Four four, uh, Blair top one percent close ratio in the country, back to back to back years. So whether you're looking to purchase a home, refinance a home, I don't know your needs. Only you do. But Blair can help you navigate through the labyrinth that exists between you and underwriting. He can be your advocate. He knows how to structure loans to get them approved. Right. So your best bet to get to the closing table is to go with Blair Chandler at closewithblair.com. Be sure and visit the website. A lot of information he can give you, whether you're looking to uh, and maybe co-sign for a young person to get them uh, a head start in life. It's always a possibility, too. Blair can help you uh, figure out your options there. And, uh, again, nobody better. And, I, and Blair, a big-time Bulldog, uh, season ticket holder, multiple sports. I believe in keeping business in the family uh, whenever we can. And so let, let's support each other. As we go through this. Again, that's Blair Chandler, 601 500 2344. Okay. 
Because we're playing Western Michigan, I have no idea uh, what uh, Coach Taylor's uh, favorite musicians are. We didn't uh, we didn't file a uh, media relations request to get that information. But uh, you know, I, every once in a while, we'll play a team from out of state, and we do uh, the best rock bands from that state. So we're doing the Rock of Michigan, the Rock of Michigan, and I'll tell you, this is a really strong list. A lot of classic rock, a lot of modern rock. Some new metal is a part of this. And so we're going to go ahead and get you started here. Now, there are a few bands that didn't make the list, right? I, I didn't I didn't do Kid Rock. I don't know if some of you like, but Steve, Kid Rock's from Rock City, Detroit, Rock City. Yeah, I didn't I didn't include Kid Rock. And I don't really have a good explanation for that. I just didn't include him. So there you go. Nothing against Kid Rock. Nothing. nothing. I like Kid Rock. But I wanted to use some different bands that uh, maybe you're not as familiar with, and some of you are. Number 10, it's Brownsville Station. You say, Steve, I've never heard of Brownsville Station. Well, if you've heard the great track Smoking in a Boys Room, that's Brownsville Station. That's your number 10 song. Of course, Motley Crue uh, covered that great American classic on the album Theater of Pain, probably the second biggest hit off that album. Of course, Home Sweet Home was first. But uh, Smoking in a Boys Room... It's a song that is timeless in many respects. Number 10, Brownsville Station. All right, moving along to number nine. I didn't know this band was from Michigan. They had a couple of big hits, uh, and they're, again, kind of timeless tracks here. Many of you know this band from uh, their, their track, What I Like About You. It's the Romantics. But my favorite track from them is Talking In Your Sleep. And some people would say, you know, Steve, that song's a little bit creepy. I don't think that it is. I mean, you know, you get into a relationship and you begin to cohabitate, and there sometimes you're going to watch TV longer than they are. You're going to be up. They're going to be talking in their sleep. You tell me that you love me. You tell me that you need me. And I know that I'm right because I hear it in the night. Because I hear you talking in your sleep. So there you go. <clears throat> talking in your sleep, number nine. Number eight, a band that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And this is a band that had attitude before attitude was cool. There are a lot of people out there that were part of the hate ashbury scene, and it was all this peace, love, and good happiness stuff. And, uh, yeah, I like some of that stuff, too, but I also know that a lot of it's soft. These guys are not soft. It's MC5, and it's their iconic track, Kick Out the Jams. I mean, these guys were dropping F-bombs when, uh, you know, we were in a uh, profanity-free society. Tons of attitude with MC5. Check them out. Kick out the jams. Number seven, one of my favorite bands of the early 2000s. Uh, they recently reunited, and uh, they're threatening to release some new material. We're happy to have that. But I remember when um, this band really began to get rolling, back when you could buy CDs at Walmart. And maybe you still can. I don't know. But I remember the very first time that I saw this band, it was when... Um, their second album had been released, and it became a huge deal. Like, it was on the end cap, for those of you that work in merchandising. at had a big display at Walmart. And I was like, why haven't I heard of this band? Well, it turns out I had. I just didn't know who sang this song. And that's our number seven song from Taproot. It's the song Poem from Taproot. And uh, their sound is unlike anybody else's in many respects. Uh, we've done a Taproot Top 10 list on the show before, and I had probably a half dozen people that reached out to me and say, Steve, thanks for doing this. I didn't know these guys. I've been jamming the list. I love these guys. I had one person in particular, and you know your name. I forget it. He said, Steve, how did I miss out on these guys? I, I don't know. They're amazing. 
they're absolutely amazing. And um, you know, the singer David was the former drummer. And their singer quit. Next thing you know, he decides to move out front because they had gigs to play. And the band began to take off. Taproot's poem, number seven. Number six, another one of these bands you look at, it's that they have they really changed a lot. They were part of, uh, I guess in many respects, kind of the androgynous scene for a while, but plenty of attitude there. Uh, Izzy Pop, of course, the lead singer of the Stooges. We're going to go with their classic track, I Want to Be Your Dog. I Want to Be Your Dog. Of course, they had some other big tracks, too. You know, I almost went with Raw Power, almost. And uh, if you know Guns N' Roses, you know Guns N' Roses covered Raw Power on the Spaghetti Incident. Number five, and no list of rock music from the state of Michigan would be complete without the Motor City Madman, Ted Nugent. Could have had him higher on the list, and some of you probably would argue that Uncle Ted should be number one. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I think the Ted Nugent catalog is actually pretty thin. Even though Ted is a, uh, a very demonstrative and outspoken person uh, for his belief system, I can't say that I agree with everything, but I respect his fact to say it, his right to say it. Uh, I, I thought that uh, the surgical precision that he used to defend hunting to Gloria Allred on the Bill Maher show 20-some-odd years ago was uh, about as good as it gets. But we're going to go with uh, a song that's near and dear to our hearts. It's Cat Scratch Fever, number five. Ted Nugent's Cat Scratch Fever. Uh, number four, this is a band that uh, I, I got to know about them uh, by listening to Sirius XM Octane. Their very first single, I think this was a mistake. If I had been managing them, I would do it differently. But they covered Taylor Swift's Blank Space. And so that was their first introduction to the rock community. And a lot of people rejected that. And they have fought hard to kind of uh, stem the stigma of that. You know, a lot of people say, well, these guys are just sellouts, right? Uh, they're really not. I've actually met these guys at Rocklahoma. Thanks, Mark. And uh, had a great time getting to uh, spend a little time just interacting with them. And uh, I-, I love the album Trauma. I love Lifelines. They have a new album. It's out now. I'll be sure and check it out. It's a band called I Prevail. And uh, the first album that I bought from them, they had had a bus fire. Like while they're on the road, their bus catches on fire. Thankfully, everybody got out okay. It was a very, very tenuous and dangerous situation. And people were reaching out on social media, trying to make sure everybody was okay. And of course, the band gives a statement and says, hey, listen, our insurance will take care of the the, the bus. Everything is good. Uh, But if you really want to support us, please pre-order the album Trauma or Lifeline. Excuse me. And we did. And uh, came in, it was great from start to finish. And we're going to go with a track from that album. It's Scars. And uh, I think this is one that really plays up the strength of this band and also um, a really good positive message. You know, uh, it's basically, you know, kind of telling the story. You know, our scars, you know, kind of what's the, uh, the Papa Roach lyric, you know, scars remind us the past is real. Uh, if you have scars, it means you've been through something, you've overcome it. And there's a big part of that. There's a big same sentiment within this song, Scars. And, uh, you know, be careful not to fall too far from who you are. There's so much of that in life. There's so many people that are kind of questioning who we are, what we stand for. And uh, many people don't have the right to do that. But at some point, every one of us will come face to face with that. And you're going to have to make a decision what you believe. You can't just be a spectator in life. But I prevails Scars, number four. Number three. Huge, huge following for this band. In many respects, they sound a lot like a Led Zeppelin cover band. They do. 
I remember playing this track for one of my dear friends, and I said, man, that sounds like a Robert Plant whale right there. And it does. It's Greta Van Fleet. And uh, I know Jake Mangum is a big fan of Greta Van Fleet. When uh, Jake reached out a while back, we we're talking about uh, possibly finding a new walkout song for him. And uh, he wanted to do maybe a Led Zeppelin song. I, I recommended Traveling Riverside Blues. I don't know what he decided to go with, but uh, that's one of the songs I recommended. But uh, Jake, a big Greta Van Fleet fan. And uh, it's good to see some new blood that's kind of true to rock. There's so much overproduced stuff these days, kind of created in a computer lab. There are a lot of people that aren't quite as talented as they sound on the radio, but because of the fact you've got all this technology these days, uh, the, what, the music scene's kind of watered down in many respects. I mean, it really is. Uh, but Greta Van Fleet, a band that's really doing it, you know, kind of the, you know, the, the true spirit of rock and roll. Number two, probably my favorite modern rock band from Michigan. Had a chance to actually break bread with Lee Kakani from uh, Pop Evil at Rocklahoma. And uh, again, thanks, Mark. Uh, I love this band. I always have from the very beginning. I have every one of their albums uh, in some form or fashion. Most of them I have the physical copy of the CD, though I don't listen to CDs anymore. But there will come a time you know, when Apple Music and Spotify fails, and I'll still be able to, to rock and you guys won't. And uh, I'll be able to sell these on eBay for hundreds of dollars. This is what I tell myself. Uh, but yeah, Pop Evil, man. I love these guys. My favorite song from Pop Evil, without a doubt. And there's so many good ones. It's a great song called 155. And again, it's another song about overcoming things in life. You know, uh, I'm going 155. And I don't know why I'm still alive. You know, and uh, it really kind of sums up in many respects who I am and how grateful I am uh, to be alive. But 155. I tried to get that on my license plate. Uh, when I bought my previous Mustang. But one of you already has 155 in the state of Mississippi. Probably the same person that touched that statue. You know, maybe this is maybe this is about me. I don't know. No, seriously. But um, yeah, 155 from Pop Evil number two. But number one, it's Grand Funk Railroad. You said, but Steve, Grand Funk, yeah, Grand Funk Railroad. And Grand Funk's had some hits. But the biggest hit the Grand Funks ever had was We're an American Band, of course, covered by Rob Zombie several years ago. And uh, it was really kind of an angst-ridden song, kind of railing against the British invasion. There was so much in American music at that point, climbing the charts, and there's all these British bands. And then Grand Funk says, you know what, we can rock too, and we're an American band. And so that's really what that's about. It's like, you know what, you know, American radio was being dominated by the British, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But Grand Funk's like, hey, we got some homegrown rock and roll for you right here. And we're proud to be from America. Proud to be an American band. Uh, I love it. I love songs with attitude. I absolutely do. And uh, this is one. And of course, some nice little asides in the verses on this. You know, come on, dudes, let's get it on. And we proceeded to tear that whole town down because we're an American band. I love it, man. I love it. You should, too. Grand Funk Railroad, we're an American band, number one. That's a rock in Michigan. And what, what a great list. I, even though I put it together myself, I didn't write the songs. I didn't perform the songs. And uh, when I got ready to put this thing together this week, I thought, you know, you know the state of Michigan has done the, the country and the music community as a whole a great service over the years. And I don't know that they uh, maybe get the credit that they deserve. I mean, you look here. I mean, you've got some Hall of Fame artists in this list. 
and in some of the biggest modern rock bands in the country right now, all hailing from the great state of Michigan. And back to Pop Evil, you may not know this, but Lee is a huge Michigan Wolverines fan. And Pop Evil recorded a track called In a Big House in support of the University of Michigan, and they play it on game day. How about that? You didn't know that. You didn't know when you got up today that you were going to learn a connection between rock and roll music and the University of Michigan uh, game day experience. But there you go. That's what we do here on the Boneyard. We're here to entertain and educate uh, great, great bands on this list. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that, uh, you know, Michigan holds uh, Detroit Rock City, the great uh, Kiss Classic. So there you go. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. Best way to do that is find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Uh, 6-7 is his birth year because he's uh, much, much older than me. Much, much older than me. And uh, looks even o- older than he is. Nah, I'm kidding. Roy's my friend, and uh, I can get away with that. And I'm so appreciative to Roy uh, for being a part of the show and putting all these things together. He's a big fan of the top 10 list, big music guy. And uh, has really done a service to our listeners uh, putting these things together. We get so much feedback uh, about our list. I mean, it's, it's, when I go do book sightings, like half the time we're talking state sports, other time we're talking top 10 lists. I have so many people that say, Steve, I love a top 10 list because it reminds me of songs I've forgotten and introduces me to songs that I don't know. And so glad to do it. Again, it all started during COVID, and here we are now. Uh, heading up into Christmas of uh, 2023, still doing the top 10 list and still finding good ideas. But we depend on you to help us out a little bit too. So uh, and you can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. If you're not following me on Twitter, I just wonder what you're doing with your life choices. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark building and institution. Next time you're in town, go by and see them. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in a known galaxy. Nobody specializes in Mississippi State more than our friends at Campus Bookmart. It doesn't matter if you're looking to outfit your wardrobe, your house, your RV, your pet, your office, uh, your man cave, your woman cave, whatever you whatever you have. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, if you're looking for that special item or gift for yourself or somebody else, you're going to find it at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I hate to even label it controversy. Let's just maybe address uh, the discussion that has taken place in the last couple of days. Uh, Andy Staples, our friend, I've actually uh, interacted with Andy several times. I've been on his show uh, he and I actually watched a U.S. men's national team uh, game together down in Burdington, Florida several years ago when we were uh, both invited to cover some events at IMG. So I don't know that I would consider him a friend, but uh, we've had some interaction, and I do consider him friendly. I think Andy is uh, one of the best sports writers of this generation. Uh, I know he has his critics, but I think they're misplaced. I think Andy does a great job. So uh, Andy's been doing his little hot seat article. He included Zach Arnett and then uh, mentioned some of the details in Zach Arnett's contract. That's really not new news to most people. Uh, We knew that the deal itself was going to be structured in a way that was beneficial to Mississippi State. Uh, It's not just because of the fact that, you know, Zach Arnett uh, didn't have a big-time agent. He had an agent, Thayer Evans, but uh, 
you know, Zach has agreed to some deals, just trying to get some deals done at Mississippi State, and they've really all kind of been in Mississippi State's favor. Not that Zach hadn't been treated fairly and compensated well, uh, but, yeah, the new deal when he was promoted to be the head coach at Mississippi State obviously provides a very easy exit strategy for Mississippi State. So it's not a huge buyout. And, of course, there's the duty to mitigate, which means that uh, you know, he's got to go out and seek gainful employment. And then State pays the differential between his new salary and his old salary. It's part of the deal. Uh, that's not atypical. Matter of fact, just about every uh, assistant coach that we've had in recent years uh, have all had the same clause in their contract. I know when Mason Miller was um, uh, was leaving uh, here at Mississippi State, and, uh, you know, big fan of Mason, uh, that was part of the deal too. It was like uh, he had a duty to go find other employment, you know, and, and um, you know, that, that's kind of part of the contractual agreement these days. And of course, he uh, found the job at Tarleton State. I think last I looked, they were 4-1. and one. He's working there as the offensive coordinator. Uh, not as well compensated, obviously, because he's at lower level. But uh, nevertheless, uh, these guys, when they move on, unless it's in their contract, uh, they have to go find other jobs. Uh, so I, I share that uh, because a lot of people, and I've read this, and it's amazing what we will latch on to that fits our own narrative. Um, I'm a Mississippi State guy, and I know many of you are. We kind of see things differently. That's perfectly okay. I don't think any less of you because we have a difference of opinion. And I hope you wouldn't think any less of me. Uh, but I know that there is one, there's a segment of the fan base that you, you can never, ever satisfy. It doesn't matter how negative you are. It doesn't matter how forceful you are with your words. They're never satisfied. I mean, unless we're going to disband the football program, bulldoze a stadium, um, and close the campus, they're not happy. You know, um, And so I, I'm not even going to waste my time kind of reaching those people. I'm not even going to attempt to. But there were some people that kind of suggested, uh, and I, I first saw the discussion on our message board uh, over jeanspage.com, that, hey, we must have leaked this you know, for a reason. Um, well, none of that is true. Uh, and you said, but Steve, how do you know? Well, we've confirmed it on both sides. How would that be, right? Had, had a, a much closer friend to Andy Stables reach out to Andy, and he's like, no. Nah. I didn't get this from Mississippi State. And then, of course, on the Mississippi State side, you know, you talk to them. And, and I can tell you that a lot of people in uh, Lee Hall and the Bryan Building are real happy about um, some of this. You know, guys, we're five games into the first year of the Zach Arnett era. And for people to suggest that perhaps Zach Selman uh, is, uh, is working through the media to lay the groundwork to uh, to terminate a coach, that is that that is fantastical thinking. I mean, that's the stuff that only like Stephen King or John Grisham could come up with. It's just not true. I know people are like, well, you know, there's a reason Andy Staples reported this. Well, Andy reported this because of the fact that um, it's what he does. There was no agenda behind it. Now, I also understand too that uh, as the senior writer. And uh, in many respects, the guy with the biggest following in the Mississippi State uh, media these days, I understand that uh, there are people sometimes that will be careful in what they tell me because they know they tell me something and they don't tell me in the right terms or under the right circumstances, it's immediately going to go on the Internet or it's immediately going to go on the, on the show. And I understand that. And so I'm real careful about that, too, that uh, people aren't telling me things that are self-serving. So I go out and verify it. Like the first story I heard yesterday is like, nope, there's nothing to this. Well, I didn't take that on face value and just go run to the message board. 
or go write an article or do an emergency podcast or a Facebook Live or something like that. No, I didn't take it at face value. I began to call some other people, talk to another Mississippi State official. Uh, eventually talked to Zach Selman, did some due diligence within the media, uh, found out that every single year, national media entities file FOIA requests of Mississippi State for all of our coaches' contracts. That's not just limited to us. They do it for everybody in the country. I mean, USA Today, you know, every year they have their big, uh, you know, database about coaches and coaches' salaries and things like that. And it's good fodder for message boards. It's good content. People want to know what people are making, which is kind of weird, but nevertheless. And so the, these figures and these details are not secretive. You know, it's subject to open records law because of the fact that, uh, you know, these salaries are paid primarily through state tax dollars. So as a result, you have a right to know how much of your tax dollars are being spent to, uh, to fund a coach's salary. You got a right to know. But it's not the details of the contract that I think are uh, really of interest. I know some people try to kind of redirect the conversation uh, and say, no, 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 no. It's really about, you know, the buyout is very inexpensive. Well, why wouldn't it be? I mean, Zach Arnett was not in a strong bargaining position. Mississippi State wanted him. Zach wanted to stay here. Zach wanted the opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, so it wasn't some contentious, uh, contentious contract negotiation. That wasn't the case. You know, Arnett loves Mississippi State. He loves Starkville. And so why would he and his agent try to hold our feet to the fire after what we had gone through and he himself had gone through with the loss of Coach Leach. So we put a tidy contract together, and yes, it's very favorable to Mississippi State, but it also gives Zach Arnett his first opportunity to be a head coach. So it's, it's mutually beneficial. But some have suggested that, hey, we as an administration have leaked this because we're unhappy. Uh, and I can tell you unequivocally, we haven't leaked anything to anybody. In fact, I had one administrator tell me yesterday, I have never done business like this. Mississippi State has never done business like this, and we're never going to do business like this. And if you know anything about Mississippi State, if you know how state works from an administrative standpoint, you know that's the truth. Now, I want to offer this to you as well. The day before Andy Cannizzaro resigned, I get a phone call the night before that tells me Andy's out. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? I said, yes, he's out. He's either going to resign or be fired for cause. He's out. So we had a huge argument among the Gene's Page staff. Of course, that was, uh, you know, before uh, the merger was complete. But uh, I thought Gene was going to fire me, to be honest with you, because I said, we have to report this. I said, listen, either we're going to be a fan site or we're going to be a legitimate media entity. I want to be a legitimate media entity. I don't want to be some water-carrying fan site that never reports anything negative. That's just not how I'm built. And so Gene didn't want to do it. And I got my name on the phone. I was like, Mike, you got to help me here. We have this huge scoop. And we're going to respect the fact that we're going to let the things play out as they are. But we know what's fixing to happen here. We have a duty to report this. We have a responsibility to our subscribers and Mississippi State fans everywhere to report this. Mike gets on the phone with Gene and uh, kind of talks him off the ledge a little bit. Says, hey, listen, you know, we need to do this. We, we are in the media 
Uh, our loyalty is to our subscribership first. And so eventually Gene relented, and we agreed to let David write the story. David Murray wrote the story. Uh, number one, to give, because I'm the one that had the scoop, we wanted to give uh, a little bit of cover for our source there. And Gene was all upset. Part of the thing, he goes, you know, you're not the one that has to walk in the nurse baseball coach's office. And I said, Gene, you need to remember they're not going to be there anymore. And I understand that Andy had been very good to us, and I understand that Andy had been very good to Gene. We had access to Andy in post-fall uh, ball scrimmage workouts. We've never had that before. We've never had a coach that was willing to give updates finally following fall scrimmages. And, and if you don't think that we got some preferential treatment from Andy, we absolutely did. And that made it difficult. You don't want to report bad news about people you like. But that's our job. This isn't Facebook. It's our job to report those things. And so we did. And it was it caused a big rift between me and Gene for a while. And then after a couple of days, he's like, you know, hey, you're right. And, of course, we break the story. And then everybody in the college baseball media aggregates our story. D1 Baseball, Baseball America, everybody. It was a huge scoop for us. It was. We don't like reporting that news, but we have a duty to do so. We had the uh, Tudorgate situation. And we had been chasing that story relentlessly. And it's so funny, too. It's like people think, you think I worked hard on the flim flam thing? Uh, I worked even harder on the Tudorgate thing because we felt like it. we wanted to know. It wasn't just, hey, we're writing this cool story. We're putting information out there that people are going to find interesting. Uh, there were so many rumors out there about which players were involved and what their punishment was going to be and how it was going to impact the university and what happens. And so we're asking questions to the point that it fractures from relationships that to, to this day are not the same. And there are some things, looking back, I would do differently. But I leveraged some relationships. And I worked extremely hard. And in many ways, I know to some people on the campus that we all know and love, I irritated a lot of people. And I told them, I said, you know, it's going to be a lot better off if you just work with us here. You know, we don't want to do anything to jeopardize standing in an investigation. But we've got some kids out here who are being named in this thing that may not be involved. And so I eventually have a chance to sit down with people. We prepare our content. And then, of course, the day that uh, it's announced that... Uh, you know, we're going on probation. You know, I already had an hour and a half long show put together. And so within minutes of that happening, we released all of our content and kind of explaining what happened. Now, we weren't able to identify the players uh, because, of course, that uh, falls under, uh, you know, Privacy Act. Of course, you all knew who it was as we had to uh, limit their availability throughout the year because they weren't technically suspended. They just had a portion of their eligibility called into question. And so it was removed. And so we got to pick the games, and people didn't like that. And so we picked games that we thought would help us get to bowl game, and it worked out for us. Flash forward a little bit. I recorded a show that some people were really upset about. I said we had a culture problem with Mississippi State football. I did. And some people involved in Mississippi State football didn't like it, as you would expect. And every one of them was in the process of being fired. We knew it was about to happen, so we get some advance notice. And a matter of fact, within minutes of Jim Moorhead being fired, we had five stories up on Gene's page. We did. Paul did the uh, emphasis on recruiting. Robbie did. I came up with Robbie, Mike did the timeline. But everybody had a story. And so as soon as it all happens, we activate it. 
So we get some advance notice at times on these big stories, and uh, I think we've earned, you know, the, the right to do that. You know, we certainly, we certainly want to report it before somebody else does. I mean, obviously, that's what you depend on us for. And so, uh, so when times like these arise, we get on the phone. You know, it's just kind of like the Mike Leach thing last year. I mean, as much as I hated reporting those things, I mean, you know, we had some good sources on that, and and we do our best to share. And then I go back to the spring. I mean, there were so many people out there that were that were suggesting. Uh, not really in the media, but just, you know, just by and large, our rank-and-file Bulldog fans were saying, hey, I've, I've heard there's already the move to, uh, to, to pay the buyout for Chris Simonis, and that wasn't true, you know. Now, there may have been some people willing to write a check, but there was not an organized movement on behalf of the university to do that, you know. And so this situation kind of feels eerily similar to that one. And I had two Mississippi State officials tell me unequivocally Yesterday, Zach Arnett is going to be our coach next year. And it's weird that we're even having this discussion. We're five games into the season, and we're really one game behind where we hoped and expected to be. There were some people that thought after that Florida State loss that LSU had that, hey, those guys look vulnerable, and that they didn't for us. And then, of course, uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss both uh, you know, put up some big points against them. But, um, but I share that because I think it's premature for us to have these discussions and uh, to suggest that we as a university leak this information uh, to Andy Staples to provide some cover is just not factual. I mean, again, you know, there's always could be something that we don't know, but I have talked to people that are decision makers at Mississippi State, and uh, I, I can say that the conversations very disturbing to people, that the people would begin to suggest that our people would do that uh, to basically undermine our coach. Uh, it's just not accurate. I mean, again, People could, there, are, there could always be some big grand conspiracy, you know, but I, I just don't believe that's the case. And, and a couple people that I spoke to were surprised uh, that this was out there. And uh, I think it's important for us to understand when you take a deep breath collectively as a fan base, none of us are happy with how the team has played through five games. But we still should be three and two. You know, the South Carolina game was a golden opportunity for us uh, to get a big, elusive SEC road win. And offensively, we played really well. Uh, had some moments we didn't, and we didn't put a complete game together. I think that's really the rub in all of this, as you look even at the Southeastern game. You know, we got off to a sluggish start. You can kind of explain that away, you know, new system, new play calling, um, you know, new fundamentals. And so, yeah. But we have not played four quality quarters of football this year, regardless of our opponent. You know, you get the big lead against Arizona, and even in the third quarter, you take it back out to two scores, and you end up having to go to overtime. You know, there's just so much of that you look at. There's plenty to be upset about without us manufacturing a story to make us feel better. It's like, oh, we're not going to put up with this. And, you know, and we're already starting attributing some of these things to the new administration led by Zach Selman at Mississippi State. And I don't think that's fair to Zach either, to either Zach. I don't think it's fair for us to suggest, oh, that this brand-new first-year athletic director is going to do something detrimental to our football program to appease – the disgruntled portion of our fan base. And, again, nobody's happy right now. I think it's important to understand. It's like, oh, we're accepting mediocrity, and there's, it's always about the status quo. Uh, that's just not true. You know, that's just not true. But, you know, to, to have these discussions now, again, I think are extremely premature. Uh, am I concerned about the football program? You better believe it. I mean, goodness, my living 
is linked to the success of Mississippi State's athletic pursuits, right? I mean, listen, uh, we've got a lot of people that are a huge part of our community and have been for decades. But in order for us to grow, you know, we got to get that casual fan to say, you know what, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to subscribe. I'm going to be a part of this over at, at uh, jeanspage.com. I'm going you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to commit to that. But a lot of people just won't do that when the team isn't playing well. It's like, you know what, hey, I'll watch the games, but I'm not going to give any money to Bulldog Initiative. I'm not going to up my Bulldog Club contribution. Uh, I'm not going to spend any more money on Mississippi State. I'm going to support them from afar. And listen, that's your right to do so. And so it's important to understand when we're winning, you know, people want to get as much information as they can about our program. So it's good for our business. And so uh, it is in our best interest for Mississippi State to win. And my loyalty is to my family first. My ability to feed my family uh, is in tune with that. And, you know, so I, I gain nothing by coming out here, putting, you know, propping up some coach or whatever, uh, because we're going to have access either way. You know, there's a lot of people say, oh, well, they're scared to ask the tough questions. And uh, it, it's amazing. I think some people expect us to go in there and, you know, put coaches into an interrogation and ask them questions that sometimes we don't even have the right to ask. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that, uh, yeah, we do ask the tough questions. You know, there are some times that we don't. But, you know, we, we only get a few minutes with a coach uh, after a ball game and a press conference and things of that nature. And I, quite frankly, I thought Zach Arnett's press conference on Monday may have been the best one he's had since we did the signing day press conference, which was really his first one as the official head coach at Mississippi State. And so I, I think, you know, I, there's going to be a learning curve for everybody involved. Uh, that's not in any way to suggest that I'm happy about where things stand. But in order, you know, for us, I think, to move forward, I think as a fan base, we need to rally around each other. We need to rally around these players and rally around this team. And I, and I get it. When we're losing, everything sucks, right? Everything. Everything is magnified in a very negative way when we're losing because we invest so much of ourselves emotionally and financially into the success of this college uh, athletics department. We do. And so all of a sudden, we don't get the return on that investment. We're going to be upset. And I think it's important for everybody to understand, because there's some people out there that uh, really, it's the extremes on both sides of the argument that are wrong. There are, them, there are some that think nothing is ever good enough, ever. Nothing is ever good enough or grand enough are sufficient enough, no matter what we do, no matter how much money we spend, no matter what we do, it's never enough. And then there are other people out there that no matter what happens, no matter what, they're just like, hey, you know what, I'm just going to go along with this. You know, both, both sides are wrong. It's really in the middle there. It is okay to expect more, period. And when people get upset and they voice that on social media and they voice that on message boards or at water coolers or whatever, uh, it comes from a good place. It may not seem like it, but it does because we want Mississippi State to be successful. That's what we all want. And, you know, I remember you know, growing up as a kid in South Mississippi and we're surrounded by Southern Miss fans. And I grew up in the days of the, the quote, unquote, big three, you know, when Southern Miss and Mississippi State and Ole Miss all played each other. And there were times that that was the best we could hope for is to win the rivalry games and maybe sneak into a ball game. Maybe. Maybe. It was a different deal. And when I put on my maroon and white back in those days, I mean, you know, it meant a lot to me. It means a lot to me today. But we didn't have it as good back then as we do today. We didn't have this great facility 
that we call Davis Wade Stadium. And there, there are some things that need to be done to upgrade it. That's important to understand. You know, we didn't have, you know, as great as Duty Noble Field was, we didn't have this cathedral we have today. We've had hump for a long time. Listen, my estimation is I, I, I thought we deserved a new arena, but financially it didn't make sense for us. And along those lines, too, in some discussions yesterday, I found out we're actually not as far behind schedule as some people suggest. There's going to be some, quote, punch list items that aren't going to be completed when we open the season a month from now. But uh, there's some things that we're going to do next year, too, that uh, weren't initially in the plan. Some other things that we're going to do to make Humphrey Coliseum an even better experience. But uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, what we've done and see the finished product. And I think it's going to be something we'll be proud of. But we all want to see Mississippi State be successful, have incredible facilities, build a recruit at a high level. And things have gotten a lot more complicated these days with NIL. Things are a lot more complicated with a transfer portal. It's a much different day, and we're adjusting to that. But I don't think we do ourselves any favors uh, by jumping out here and suggesting that, oh, all of a sudden our administration, oh, well, they're not satisfied with the coach, so they're going to leak a story to the national media to provide some cover. I mean, it's just – listen, I get it. That happens from time to time. It does. There are reasons that some stories get reported. This is just kind of a coincidence type deal. You know, Andy Staples decides to write a column and provide some detail in there that's new to some people. And all of a sudden they think, oh, well, this is new. Something must be afoot. There's nothing afoot. And I'm here to tell you. I mean, I've talked to enough people that would know. You know, and as I shared yesterday on Gene's page, people would say, but Steve, maybe they don't want to tell you everything. Or maybe, you know, nobody's ever going to say, hey, we're going to make a change. Well, we're not looking to make a change. And why would we five games into the season? Does that mean things can't change? No, things can absolutely change. But, again, I had two administrators tell me unequivocally, Zach Arnett's going to be your football coach next year. Now, so based on the information that we have, I just think it's best that we move forward here. You know, and if I knew something, and let's say you guys were right about something, I just wouldn't comment on it. Like if I'd been told something in, in privacy, you know, and a confidential source is, hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's be prepared. And that it happens. It happens all the time. It's like, just give you a heads up. Here's what's happening. We'd prepare. But if I was told something like that, I wouldn't get out there and argue with you and tell you it's not going to happen. I just wouldn't respond. I'd come back later and say, hey, there's been rumors to this and there's some, some validity to that. But, uh, you know, I just I wanted to address that on the show because there's so many people that want to make this you know, about personalities. It's not. It's always a principles before personalities deal, right? Uh, sometimes we get beat on a story. I mean, it's rare, but it happens. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of how life is. Uh, but we pride ourselves on being the best source of information regarding Mississippi State Athletics uh, ever. You know, that's not to sell. We didn't get to announce the offensive coordinator hire, which is the only one that we were wrong about, uh, really for, I think, uh, three staffs now. But that happens. And that's what people remember. But the reason they remember that is because it happens so infrequently. And so just like I told you guys back then, and of course it stirred a lot of people up, and like, oh, well, that's just not what I heard about Chris Simonis. There was never anything to it. There's nothing to this. And I want to make sure we understand that. And again, I could write it out, but to be able to share it with you as best I can in the words that are available to me in the English language, I can just tell you that uh, anyone that is suggesting the exact Salmon or Mark Keenum or anybody connected with Mississippi State Administration leaked Zach's contract to Andy Staples 
to write this article that somehow lays the groundwork should we decide to make a change at the end of the year, which, again, they're telling me we're not going to, uh, that's just not accurate. And I think it's important to understand it's okay to be wrong, right? And it's not a situation where people are like, hey, this is a matter of fact, this is happening. It's just kind of people's opinion. They're like, hey, kind of hit the radar here. Uh, What do you make of this? So people offer their opinions. And there's nothing wrong with having an opinion, even if it's not rooted in fact. It's like, well, here's what I think. And it's okay to think that. But I can tell you, I spent the entire day yesterday having multiple conversations with people that, again, always come up aces for us that uh, were, were disturbed. Let's just call it that. They were disturbed that that line of thinking was kind of out there among the fan base. And so I wanted to do my best today to kind of, again, reiterate what I was told. Mississippi State doesn't do business that way. We just don't. We don't do business that way. We would never go out there and use the media to undermine our own football coach. We just wouldn't do that. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at the International Auction. Internationalauctionllc.com. Time is running short here, okay? (laughs) This auction is going to happen next Thursday. So we're less than a week away a lot of interest in this property. I've toured the property. I can tell you it's absolutely outstanding. I couldn't believe that this hidden gem was just kind of tucked away there off 182, just off the Mississippi State campus, butted up against the North Farm up there. Uh, so you don't have to worry about having bad neighbors. What could be better than having Mississippi State as your neighbor? Just five minutes away from our historic sports venues, man. Just think about that. You just Everybody can come by and kind of rally at your place. You can all ride together. You can tailgate at the house, come back after the ball game, cook out. Uh, you got five lakes on this property. It's, it's an amazing property. 3,000 linear feet on Sand Creek and then 5,000 feet of water frontage uh, linear feet throughout the property. And uh, so here's the deal. We talked about it all the time. Uh, you're going to be able to bid next Thursday. Okay, that's the 12th. If you want to see the property, you can do so this weekend. This is the last weekend event. It's the October 8th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's at 2 Sterling Drive in Starkville. S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G Drive in Starkville. And just up the street there, they've got the clubhouse. And uh, so you you can bid in person. Uh, We're encouraging online bidders as well. That's important to understand. You, You don't have to be present. Now, you do have to make a deposit. There's the bidder deposit, $25,000 for the entirety of the property or $10,000 per track. Uh, Unsuccessful bidders get their checks back. But it's easy to get signed up. And again, we talked about the the reserve. Some of this property is going to go for just $4,000 an acre. $4,000. You're thinking, oh, Steve, it's going to be some fat cat that buys that property. It's out of my price range. You know what? Probably not. Probably not. But uh, listen, get some more information. Call them at 888-861-0999. That's internationalauctionllc.com. And again, it's so easy to get set up for online bidding. There's going to be a lot of people that decide to do that. It's hard to get here on a weekday, right? But this is a chance to maybe, you know, build your own personal oasis right here in God's country, just miles away from the Mississippi State campus. If you love Mississippi State, you've always dreamed of living in Starkville full-time, this may be the opportunity for you. Be sure and check them out. Again, the reserve's going to start at 4000 per acre for some properties. And again, just how cool is it to be that close to campus? I absolutely love this property. And if I, if, if I was moving, I would just buy that Cypress Lake tract 
I'd have that cool lake all to myself. And uh, all you, I would be the envy of Octavia County because everybody would say, hey, he's got this little haven tucked away in the woods here and he's still like five minutes from work. Yeah, exactly. So again, International Auction LLC. Again, sh showing this week and then next Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 2, the auction takes place on Thursday. Hit those folks up at International Auction LLC with all your questions. All right, let's take a look at the uh, Southeastern Conference. You know, it's kind of a limited schedule this weekend. I'm still excited about it. We're going to have the opportunity to play our game, hopefully get a win, an impressive win, and then kind of move forward and then uh, get home to watch some more college football. Now, the same time that we're playing, LSU and Missouri are going to play. I like LSU in the game. I do think it's going to be a very close game. Missouri is 5-0. and They're only ranked 21st, and it's because of the quality of the competition they played. LSU... Shaky against Arkansas, shaky against Ole Miss, and lose the ball game. And you begin to ask yourself, are people kind of figuring LSU out? And again, I give Danny Nose and Arkansas a ton of credit for what they did at LSU defense. But you go back and look, Florida State had a similar level of success, but they just kind of ground and pounded. Enos found some holes in that secondary, and we knew that this LSU secondary hadn't been what it normally has been. Um, can Missouri exploit those same things that Ole Miss and Arkansas did? I think they will for a while. I won't be surprised if Missouri wins this game. But I do think LSU wins a close one, so we're going to go with the Tigers. And I would be remiss if we did not offer our, our deepest well wishes to Greg Brooks, former Mississippi State commitment, uh, that flipped to Arkansas, despite some people trying to tell me, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. I said, he's not fine, he's going to flip to Arkansas. He did, and then ultimately transferred to LSU. Uh, missed our game, kind of a late scratch, and he had brain surgery, and now they found out that he has a rare form of brain cancer. They do believe that he's going to be able to make a recovery, but either way, uh, we want to wish Greg the best. We went through something similar with Nick Bell and ultimately lost Nick, and it's terrible to see young people in the prime of their lives having to deal with such life-or-death type issues. So, Greg, we wish you the best. Uh, you and your grandmother, who was a, a gem of a woman, we wish you all the best, and uh, I, I think LSU will come out and play inspired football this week. Um, I mentioned before, I believe Mississippi State wins the game against Western Michigan. I don't think it's going to be a 56-7 game. I would love if it was, but uh, again, don't be surprised if Western Michigan takes an early lead, and don't panic. That's kind of what they do. Alabama's at A&M, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm taking the upset here. I've thought about this long and hard. After watching Alabama play in person offensively, they're worse than I thought they were. And I think A&M has the athletes on defense to match up. I think this is probably a low-scoring game. I think it'll be a very defensive game, and I think it is in many respects, even though Alabama's ranked 11th and A&M is not ranked, I think when you look at the body of work, I think, you know, hey, Alabama's best win right now is if we're all miss. But you look at AM, they're four and one and two and oh in the league. They're one loss on the road at Miami. But you know, the performance they put up last weekend against Arkansas I thought was impressive. And again, Arkansas rather pedestrian times on offense this year. I think AM is a better team, and that's the CBS game. Last time Alabama went over there. They uh, lost the ball game last year. A&M gave Alabama all they wanted in Tuscaloosa and then some. And this Alabama team is not as talented as the last two. 
Call me crazy. I'm going with A&M in the upset. Vanderbilt at Florida. I don't know what to expect here either other than the fact that, you know, Florida has been a very good team at home. And they're a different group at home. Everybody is, right? It's tough to kind of get that esprit de corps built up. But the Gators are 3-2 and two and 1-1 one and one in the SEC. Uh, they open up losing at Utah. And they lose at Kentucky. But they're 3-0 and oh at home. They destroyed McNeese State. They beat Tennessee in a major upset at the time. They struggled to get Charlotte, but they still win. Vanderbilt, again, I think Vandy's done winning football games. I just don't think they have the athletes to match up with the typical SEC team. They're 2-4, and four, of course. They get out to the 2-0 and oh start uh, and probably should have lost to Hawaii. And then, you know, they get Alabama A&M. And then ever since then, hey, there have been some competitive games, like they lose on the road at UNLV. And scored some points against Kentucky, but never really uh, threatened. And that's the thing. You look at, you know, Vanderbilt's going to score some points. I just don't think they can stop anybody. It's just not going to be enough. And you start looking at these numbers here. Outside of Alabama A&M, they really haven't stopped anybody. And they won't stop Florida. I think Florida wins this thing. They out-athlete them. I think Florida covers. And I think it's going to be a situation where Billy Napier and those guys have to have it. They're going to be four and two, but they may be, you know, maybe one of those things you look out at um, – and so, you know what, they're 4-2, and two, but they're, they're likely maybe the worst 4-2 team in the country. Maybe. One could make that argument. But uh, things are about to get real for the Gators after this Vanderbilt week. They go to South Carolina, then they host Georgia. Uh, so Napier and those guys, I think in many respects, are probably coaching for their jobs. And people are like, well, that buyout is so significant, it's going to be significant next year too. Kentucky at Georgia, this could potentially be the game of the week. Uh, if it was in Lexington, I would probably pick Kentucky to cover because they're a different team. Everybody is, but at Kroger Field, they do a good job of kind of, you know, shortening the game on you. Uh, and that's the thing with Kentucky. you got to be able to move the football. Even if you don't score, you got to be able to eat up some clock. you got to be able to shorten the game on them, and you don't want to give Georgia extra possessions. I just think it's going to be so difficult to go in there in Athens and win this ball game. I do think it will be a competitive game, but we're going to take Georgia to win this one. I know it's not a big hot take. Uh, I just don't think Kentucky is in a position athletically to pair up with Georgia. And I do think Georgia is going to be a team that gets better over the course of the season. You remember, I remember that around this time last year, we were all talking after Georgia played so poorly at, um, at Missouri that they look vulnerable. And uh, what do they do? They go on to uh, win the NAFL championship. And, you know, this Georgia-Kentucky series has uh, been very one-sided over the years. Georgia has won 13 games in a row. They have a 62-12-2 and 12 and two mark against Kentucky. And to put that in perspective, we have more wins over Alabama than Kentucky does Georgia. Yeah, we'll let that sink in, right? We got 18 wins over Alabama. Kentucky has just 12 over Georgia. So this is, one again, one of those series that uh, you look at, you just kind of lament how it all kind of shakes down. But uh, I just don't think they're, they're going to have an opportunity here uh, for – for Kentucky without some serious help from Georgia. I just I don't I don't think that's going to be something you look at and you even think that uh, Kentucky can do without some help. I just don't think they have the manpower to get that done. All right, final game on the slate, Arkansas at Ole Miss. I just don't think Arkansas has enough to go on the road and beat Ole Miss. Now listen, this is not a good matchup for Ole Miss. So I won't be surprised if the game is close. I won't be. 
Rocket Sanders is back. You know, he injured a knee against Western Kentucky, and he's been out for a while. They brought him back slowly. He's expected to be close to full health against Ole Miss. And this is an you know, Ole Miss team that has been susceptible to the run. K.J. Jefferson, of course, a product of North Panola High School. It's his last game to ever play against Ole Miss. You know that he's going to have an opportunity uh, to, you know, to go out there with some extra motivation. And uh, is Ole Miss their head still in the clouds? Yeah, we'll see. But this Arkansas team absolutely wore Ole Miss out last year. I mean, it was an absolute bloodletting in that second half. And that's the thing, you know, last year, that was the kind of the mark of the Ole Miss team is they just simply couldn't couldn't manage the second half. They had to get ahead and kind of hope to hold on. But, uh, you know, Arkansas looking at this deal here, it's been a wild series, right? But when you go back, let's go all the way back to 14. Yeah, so since that time, Arkansas is 6-3 and three against Ole Miss, 6-3. and three. The last time they played in Oxford – a barn burner of a game that went down to the final play. Ole Miss wins 52-51. Arkansas goes for the two-point conversion to win the game, and then the pass ends up being a little bit high there, and they lose. So that's a driving factor, obviously, for uh, KJ. Back in 19, they lost in Oxford, so they lost the last two trips up there. I suspect they will, too. I'd love to see Arkansas win the game. I I would. Uh, but also think about, you know, what does that mean for Mississippi State moving forward? I mean, let, let, let's remove our, our feelings of jealousy from the equation. If you look at this Arkansas team and you begin to think, okay, let's say we win this week, we have the bye week. Because the way the schedule lays out is not good for Arkansas, right? So they'll play Ole Miss on the road, and I think that's a loss. And then they go to Alabama. Now, Arkansas and Alabama have had some tight ball games, no matter who the coaches have been, but Alabama's found a way to win. I just begin to think about the physical toll this takes on a team. And then when you begin to think about it, you know, mentally, you know, what shape is Arkansas in by the time we get there? We get the benefit of the open date, and they'll have to play on the road to Tuscaloosa. I think that's good for us. Now, I'd love for Arkansas to win this week and lose next week. But I just think the physical toll that's going to be required to navigate through this schedule, I think it's good for us, and it's going to be about us. I think we are a better football team than Arkansas, uh, and I think that uh, we'll have a chance to prove that when we get up there. But, um, yeah, I, I just think it's this weekend they're probably getting more than they bargained for. I think this Ole Miss team is, uh, is really kind of figuring some things out offensively, and I just don't know that Arkansas can match up on the back end. You know, we'll see. And the fact that it's in Oxford certainly helps too. All right, if you haven't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com and uh, you can pre-order the new book. I still don't have a release date, and uh, it's frustrating, but as soon as I get it, I'll let you know. But I, I, I suspect now it's going to be early November, and uh, I've, I wrote that book a long time ago. But, uh, you know, we'll, help, we'll have it to you as soon as we can and have it on shelves. And uh, i got people buying other books left and right. Matter of fact, i got to go sign three cases of books uh, in the morning uh, for some people. Uh, some individual purposes, people are you know, buying cases of books. We're always happy to do that. Uh, while you're at whenthebottomfalls.com, you can get uh, copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, even though we're pretty, we're almost out of all those. You know, for a while there, Stark Villains, we were kind of in a precarious situation, found a couple more cases, and uh, now those are gone. So 
Uh, if you don't have stock Bowens, you probably uh, need to buy it from a store itself because there's not many copies out there. And then, of course, Alpha Dogs, the, the quality of, excuse me, the uh, inventory there is also uh, largely diminished. So if you haven't bought Alpha Dogs, you need to act quickly uh, or you won't have it. And you want to certainly have that for your collection. And then uh, Dog Pile, we have plenty of copies of that left, and every Bulldog fan needs that. Uh, so be sure and uh, visit whenthebottomfalls.com and uh, get those sports books and uh, get the newest one, and we'll have that for you. So I'm eager for you guys to read it. I really am. Uh, also of note, if you need Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. I absolutely love the Stark Villain logo. It's one of the reasons we did Alpha Dogs kind of in the same way. And uh, I think Stark Villain is amazing. If you're a person that loves Stark, well, you should have a Stark Villain shirt. I would get the black and white hoodie, but that's me. Maybe you feel differently. But uh, Stark Villain gear available at StarkVillains.com. And uh, come join us over at Jeans Page. Now you can get 30% off the annual subscription. Uh, we're right back to kind of, you know, running a regular promo. But uh, come join us. Uh, again, 30% off the annual subscription. And uh, nobody's going to cover the Bulldogs like we are. So be sure and, and come uh, join us. I believe most days this week we've had over a dozen stories about Mississippi State sports. I don't know what your local provider does, but we're going to give you quality content of all sports. I looked up yesterday. We had multiple basketball stories, multiple baseball stories, and, of course, tons of football and recruiting stuff. Uh, again, uh, the most comprehensive coverage of Mississippi State sports the university has ever seen at jeanspage.com. Come be a part of that. Hope to see you tomorrow. Please come to Davis Wade Stadium and support this team. Uh, no matter how things go, no matter how you feel about things, uh, we only get a handful of opportunities each year to get together at Davis Wade Stadium uh, and cheer for the Bulldogs and be together as a family. So come out and be a part of that. And uh, no matter what you do today uh, and do this weekend, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope it's a payday for you and you get a chance to go do some cool things with your friends and family. Um, you know, life is short, death is certain, and uh, let's be sure that we enjoy each other and enjoy the, uh, the finer things in life as best we can. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.